Well, good morning and welcome everybody to Encounter Church. Uh, welcome to a special weekend here at Encounter called Vision Weekend 2022. Uh, what, this, uh, what this weekend is all about is, is pressing pause on our normal kind of rhythm of a series and, uh, and Bible study. What we're going to do is, is pause and reflect on the reason why we exist in this world. Uh, we pause and we reflect on the reason why God in his infinite wisdom he decided that Encounter Church should exist in a certain time, in a certain place. In fact, this time, in this place. Uh, the simple reason for that is that we exist to bring people far from God to new life in Jesus Christ. Just want to say that one, one more time in case you didn't hear it. Throughout all of our messaging, <laughs> throughout the entire year, we exist to bring people far from God to new life in Jesus Christ. Uh, what this means is for some of you experiencing that new life in Christ, you're like, okay, I'm there. I'm sold already. I'm in. That's awesome. This is an, an official invitation for you to join us on this mission of bringing people who are far from God to new life in Christ. This is also today an acknowledgement that that journey of being far from God to new life in Christ, that isn't like a, a one-time decision. That's not a switch that flips. That's not a, a, a one-off, one-night kind of thing. This is a journey of a thousand steps. A thousand steps where we make our way towards the new life that Jesus spoke so frequently about. And so what we're doing today is we're simply asking, asking you to consider taking one of those courageous steps of faith. There's fear there, there's doubt there, there's uncertainty. Uh, what if I trust God with something in my life and he doesn't follow through, he doesn't show up, or he doesn't bless me through it or honor me through it. There's fear there, there's doubt there. There's uncertainty there. What we're doing in this series, in this weekend, I should say, right now, is this recognition that every time we trust God with an element of our life, every time we trust God with a decision in our life, God shows up and honors us powerfully throughout that decision, throughout that trust. And so today what we want to do is recognize, what I want to do is to recognize that every time I've trusted God, with a decision or a part of my life. He has honored that, and he has shown up powerfully uh, to bless me throughout that. A couple of experiences that I have had to take this courageous step of faith is one time when I was in, uh, when I was in like, sophomore in high school. I, my family, we had just uh, started attending a, a new church. I didn't know, like, a lot of people there already, but, but I heard this messaging go out of this, like, youth retreat, this camp, like a getaway, and I'm like, great. So if it goes horribly, I'm going to be like 100 miles away from home, and I can't get back. It was a big deal for me to step out and for me to trust God with one weekend out of 52, and I did. And it was like the first time, you guys, it was the first time that Jesus in my life moved from an idea in my life to a person in my life, to someone in my life that I could trust. And it was like the fear and the uncertainty that they were there, but Jesus became bigger through it all and more personal and more present in my life as a result. Every time that I've taken one of these courageous steps of faith, God has honored and blessed me as a result. I remember uh, when I was just starting off in uh, pastor training school in seminary, and um, I didn't come from like a real traditional church background, and so I had this recognition that like, I'm supposed to like 
like lead one of these traditional kind of churches. And I had no idea like how to do that, right? Like when do you stand up? When do you sit down? How do you pick books out of the hymn that kind of line up with stuff? When do you do the readings? Where do those like readings, those back and forth like come from? When do you wear a suit and tie? When do you choose to wear a robe? Does the color of the robe matter? Like I had so many questions, like how this was supposed to run. And I'm like, I can't believe that I'm supposed to be in like, be in charge of one of these things in T minus three years. This is a terrible idea. So I went to the most uh, like traditional church uh, around at the time that I think would, would have me. And I just started like learning the ropes, right? And the pastor there was very, very gracious and offered to be my mentor. And it was just a super good fit for me to, to like relate to, to him. And so he could kind of guide me along in this journey. Except for one time he stops me in the, in the hallway, like in between worship services. And he goes, so you don't really fit here. <laughs> And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I know that. Is it that obvious? You didn't have to, like, name it throughout this process. And he goes, no, no, no. I mean that in a good way. You don't fit here. And that's an okay thing. Maybe instead of you as, like, a round peg trying to fit, smash into a square hole, maybe, maybe the purpose here isn't for you to do that. Maybe it's for, for God to create a round hole in the area. And he, and he put out this idea of maybe this area, maybe Grand Rapids could use a brand new expression of church to connect with a different kind of person, the kind of person who's yet far from God, and to help bring them on these thousand steps toward the new life that Jesus spoke so frequently about. And so my wife and I, we ventured off into that, and about 11 and a half years ago, we started an encounter church in our living room, and it grew up from there. But listen to me, guys, the point of that story is Jesus. The point is that every time I personally have trusted God with an element, a decision of my life, a part of my life, my vocational life, God has shown up powerfully. And I think the same is true for you. As you think this morning about what your next courageous step of faith might be, I'm telling you that it's true that every time you courageously take that next step of faith towards the new life that Jesus talked about, he's going to honor that decision and show up powerfully in your life. About uh, seven months ago now, summer of 2021, uh, some of you were around and you knew <laughs> that was a wild summer, uh, especially for, for churches all over as people are kind of emerging out of their um, out of their isolation, out of the, the, the holes that we have all dug for ourselves. And as church leaders, we're wondering, what does this mean? As people are like reevaluating every part of their lives, especially their spiritual lives, and the rhythms that they had maintained for their whole lives, all of these, we are now questioning for the very first time ever, many of us. And so as a staff and as a lead team, which is our governing board, we said, you know what would be incredible? Is if we could lead our church in taking a literal thousand, one thousand courageous steps of faith. And every one of those we're going to celebrate. And so we put it on this vision board outside of my office. We have one at the Fulton Heights location and Joe's office as well. And right there in the middle, it says 1,000 courageous steps of faith. That's the goal. We said from September all the way through the end of 2022, what we're asking God for, what we're praying on God and believing in God for is 1,000 courageous next steps of faith. Now you guys are like looking around and going, there's not like 1,000 people like gathered up in all of our locations. Yes, we want to celebrate everyone, recognizing that from the moment we go from like far from God to the new life that Jesus talked about, it's not just a one-time decision. There's a thousand steps in between there, right? 
And so we said, we're going to measure those, we're going to recognize those, we're going to celebrate every one of those thousand courageous steps. And so what we set out to do is go, listen, there's a lot of ways. Like I said, going on a youth retreat, that's so courageous as a, as a high school student, just thinking about that. Uh, vocationally, serving Jesus full-time in the church, that's a, thousand, that's a courageous step of faith, sure. At Encounter Church, what this means is that we're recognizing, well, there's a few big ones. Attending worship for the very first time is a courageous step of faith, especially if you've only been a worshiper online, especially if you've never been to this church or any church in the past. Listen, like showing up, risking that morning, I don't know how they're going to treat me, what it's going to be like, so many questions. That's such an incredibly courageous thing to show up for church, for worship for the very first time. And then to not only show up for worship, but then also to join a serving team. Not just watching kind of from the stands as the, the players get to play the game down on the field, but, but stepping onto the field and, and joining. That is such a courageous thing. Worshiping, serving, joining a small group, intentionally finding other Christians to do life together with. Such a courageous thing. Uh, giving sacrificially, uh, either a first time or the first time ongoing, sustaining gift to the church. What an incredibly courageous step of faith that is. Officially partnering with Encounter Church. Partnership 101 kicks off. Another class, May 1. Small plug, EncounterChurch.org slash events. Sign up, sign up today. That's such an incredibly courageous thing to like, listen, I'm not going to do this mission of God on my own. I'm going to partner with an organization. I've been burned by churches in the past for some of you. But listen, I'm going to venture out and I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to risk trust one more time. Such a courageous thing. Showing the world that you've been raised with Christ, going public with this faith through the act of baptism. Such a courageous thing. So we said, listen, back in September, we're like, we're going to start measuring this thing. And we're going to trust God for a thousand of these steps along the way towards new life in Christ. It's about seven months into this. We're at the halfway point. I just want to kind of give you a little bit of an update. Since September, we have welcomed as first-time worshipers to one of our physical locations 475 people. Can we just like praise God for that? It's such a cool thing. 20 people, 20 people have taken the courageous step of joining a serving team. 49 people have taken the courageous step of joining a small group for the first time. 97 people have begun uh, giving sacrificially to Encounter Church or for the first time or for an ongoing recurring gifts. There's been 13 new partners at Encounter Church and 17 people have chosen to show the world they've been raised with Christ through the act of baptism. Let's celebrate that one more time. This is a lot of numbers. They add up to 679 courageous steps of faith. We're about halfway through. We're well over halfway to the goal. But guys, each one of these numbers, this is so important, each one of these numbers has a name. Each one of these numbers has a story. One person then reflecting what it means to come back to church, they said, it was so incredibly emotional for me. My own spiritual journey has been non-existent and my mental health has been a wreck. I can't express the joy coming back has brought that I wasn't expecting. We look forward to seeing you each and every weekend again. One of our kiddos in Next Gen, I love these kind of stories. 
Uh, For those of you who get to serve in NextGen and you share those stories with the other people around and with me, I just want to say thank you so incredibly much. I heard the story about one kiddo who who decided to wear one of their church t-shirts to school with some of this writing on the back, and she asked her mom to make sure to put her hair up in a ponytail so that everybody can make sure to read the words about Jesus' love for them on her back. I love those stories so much. One young woman, um, recent college grad, wrote that I, uh, I ended up having to move out of state. And it was out there in the brokenness and hurt and loneliness that God wrecked me. He grabbed the steering wheel away from me, and I wasn't in control any longer. He showed me the importance of complete dependence on him. And I prayed, filled with tears, God, take control. And God gave me love on the top of a mountain of loneliness. And I finally understood I'm not in control and God will always provide. And this story was shared with Encounter Church in a video of her baptism earlier this fall. These are courageous steps of faith. What's yours? What's the courageous step of faith that God is asking you to trust him with this morning. We're looking for a thousand of these as a church community, but I recognize there are so many barriers in the way. I mentioned that fear, uncertainty, anxiety, doubt all stand in our way. I just can't help but wonder, maybe as an overarching question for this time together is, is what incredible God-appointed things have left undone because fear got in the way? Or uncertainty got in the way? What kind of God-appointed accomplishments have left gone unaccomplished because doubt got in the way? Because fear crept in? Or if I had to twist that around and and to say it maybe a little bit more spiritual, a little bit more theological on there, is that I believe that every time one of us trusts God with a courageous step of faith, I believe that 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 brings God honor, that that brings God glory. And when we don't take those steps of faith because fear creeps in, because doubt and anxiety, uncertainty creeps in, when we don't take that step of faith, I believe that it actually robs God of glory. And I don't want to be a glory thief. I don't want you, I don't want us to be glory thieves. So we're identifying some of these ingredients in what it takes to help us to take our next courageous step of faith. You got one of these cards when you came in. Simply asks, what's the courageous step of faith that God is asking you to take this week? At any point, if something comes to mind, just write it on the card. Uh, Just reflect over that. Pray over it. Uh, Don't lose track of it. What's that courageous step of faith in order for you to bring honor and glory to your Lord? I think that in a way to overcome fear, to overcome that uncertainty, that anxiety, and that doubt in our lives, to take that courageous step of faith, there's going to be three ingredients, and there's going to be one incredible result every single time. And so rather than me just tell you what these three ingredients are, I want to show you. So we're going to go to the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, as we go to Proverbs, I want to share that this is like, uh, according to a survey from Bible Gateway, this is on the top five most well-known passages in all of Scripture. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. You might have heard of this in the past. It starts off this way. Um, Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths 
straight. Uh, three ingredients, one incredible result every single time. The three ingredients to a courageous step of faith that's going to help us this morning, starting off in verse 5, is number one, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That trust, you guys, trust is only as good as the object of your trust. As we dig into this, we see the first ingredient of a courageous step of faith is trust. We have to recognize that there's this, there's this confusion sometimes uh, between the object of our faith and the size of our faith. It's kind of in the water, it's kind of in the culture right now that, that it doesn't so much matter like what you believe as long as you're like super into it, as long as you're passionate about it, as long as your trust is big or your faith is big. If your faith is big, your trust is big, it doesn't matter like what it's into. It's just the point is that you do you, you're passionate about the thing that you believe in, whether it's the universe or whether it's uh, the divine pie in the sky, whatever the, like, the thing is that you, as long as you're like all the way into it, like, it doesn't matter what it is. And I'm like, the guys, the, that's so mis- mistaken. And it's so mistaken because, because there's such a thing that exists in this world called gas station sushi. Let me fill, let me fill that out for you because I'm not like a sushi connoisseur. The last sushi that I ate, I'm, I'm going to lose some friends on this. I bought it from Aldi because it was like a value find. It's such a good deal. It's frozen. And you're like going, seriously, this guy's buying sushi from Aldi? And it's like... For step one, like put it out on the counter, you know, to like bring it up to room temperature. And I'm like, that's going to take 20 minutes or I can microwave it. So, <laughs> right. As a guy whose last sushi that he ate was microwaved sushi from Aldi, I can look down on gas station sushi because no matter how much trust I might have, I still don't trust gas station sushi because trust is only as good as the object that you're trusting. Like even though you have big trust, even though you have big faith, if you end up trusting in something as bad as gas station sushi, it doesn't matter how big the trust is. It doesn't matter how wide the faith is that you have. It matters. What matters is the object of your faith. I think Jesus knew that we were going to like mix these things up all the time, the object and the size. I think he knew that we were going to go for size over the object of faith, which is why he, he told us this story about a mustard seed. And Jesus like holds up this little seed in the air and he's like, hey guys, faith size, faith as big as one of these, as big as this little seed can move mountains. It's like, come on. It's like, it, it's so small. It's so tiny. And the point of Jesus is it's not the size of your faith. It's the object of your faith. When your itty-bitty little faith intersects with my great big faithfulness, watch out. A faith like that can move mountains. It's not the size of your faith. Some of us some of us are going to know, I know I have trust issues. I know because I've been burned in the past. I've trusted somebody in the past and they let me down. Or worse yet, they betrayed me. I've gone to a church in the past and there was a, it was a failing or a falling out and there was hurt that followed and so I just can't trust again. I've got so little to hold on to and Jesus is going, listen, when your itty bitty faith intersects with my great big faithfulness, watch out. A faith like that can move mountains. For those of you who have been burned in the past, who have been hurt in the past, listen, I know. Like, I get that. And I'm not going to ask you to open up your heart and to trust an institution. 
I'm not even asking you to open up your heart and to trust me as a church leader because I know me and I know how fallible I am and we together as a church, how fallible we all are together. I'm asking you to open up your heart and to trust with the itty-bitty mustard seed kind of faith that you have. Open up your heart and to trust Jesus. People have let you down. People have hurt you in the past. People have betrayed you in the past. But when you need to find a little bitty, itty-bitty mustard seed kind of trust left in your heart, when you need to know at the end of the day that there is still a God out there who cares, that there's still a God out there who's powerful enough to do something that he can act. You have the picture of a God who hung himself on a cross to show that he cares. And you have the picture of an empty grave that he rose from to show that he can. We talk about these courageous steps of faith. Number one, trust. Trust God. Uh, Number two, and lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes there's this misconception that, that Christians, because we believe in the impossible, mountains don't move. Come on. Yeah, I know that dead people don't rise again. That's kind of the point. That's kind of the point of why they call it faith and trust because we, we haven't seen it. Sometimes because of the radical things that we believe as Christians, like dead people rise from the dead, that there's a life after this one, the, the radical things, right, that we believe. Sometimes there's this understanding like Christians that we have to check our brains at the, at the door. We have to like not think things through. Uh, that's not the case. There is a case that we have to that we have to manage the expectations of our own perspective. That it is the case, not that we check our brains at the door, but we have to acknowledge that we have a limited perspective. And I think about leaning not on my own understanding is just this way of saying, like, you know, you have a perspective and that has an end to it. You have a certain view of the world and it's, it's often not, not bigger than this, not bigger than your own lived experience or not bigger than the experience of those that you've shared life with. It's, it's limited in perspective and scope. And you know that, come on, I know that it's limited. When I was a, when I was a kid, this is going to sh- surprise and shock many of you, I know, but eight years old, I didn't like vegetables. I gasp. I can't believe it. Right? I didn't like to clean my room. I still don't like to clean my room. I grew up 30 years later. I don't always clean my room, but I eat vegetables most days. Right? My perspective changed. I got a little bit of information. Hey, listen, I think I could live longer if I eat something green throughout my day and not green apple, you know, sour gummy bears or something like that, but like actual something with fiber in it, right? Like my perspective changed. I realized like at eight years old, man, I thought I had life figured out and now I'm you know, 38 almost, and it's like, wow, how much wider of a perspective I have. Imagine if I had another 30 years. Imagine if I had another 300 years. Imagine if I, in God's divine wisdom, had 3,000 years to, like, learn from his wisdom how wide my perspective, my scope on the world would actually be. When I was a kid, I didn't like to go to the doctor. I didn't like to get my shots. I didn't like to take medicine when I was sick. I demanded from my parents as compensation for my obedience, for my compliance, that they buy me a jelly donut every time I went to the doctor because I did it. I had no idea why they did to this day. (laughs) But now I know that I'm buying the jelly donuts for my kids when I have to bring them to the doctor or get them to eat their medicine, right? Because a little bit of information widens my perspective, and I just wonder what it is in God's wisdom, in God's 
perspective. Some of you have had jobs where the, where the best part of the job were the people that you got to gather around, the coworkers that you had, and the, the most common subject that you guys like to talk about was the boss, the supervisor, just complaining about whoever, why, do they, why does she do the things that she does? Why is she so stingy with the hours that she gives out? Why, why can't she get the schedule out ahead of time? Like whatever the deal, just complaining about the boss. Why is she insistent on doing it this one way every time? Doesn't she know there's a thousand ways to do this thing better? And then what happened? You get promoted, you get offered the job of that boss and you realize, and you realize, oh, there's a reason for the things that she did when she had this position. And you start to view that group of friends just a little bit different because your perspective widened. Your perspective changed. What God is asking you to do in this passage, the second ingredient, leaning not on your own understanding just because you know that your perspective is so incredibly limited at the end of the day. Often limited to under 100 years. Limited to just your perspective, your lived experience, and the lived experience of those people that you've done life with. The Bible is full of these stories. Sometimes we think of the Bible as stories of heroes of the faith. No, no, no. The Bible is full of stories, of cautionary tales of people like Abraham who didn't trust. There was a famine that came on Canaan. God told him to stay in Canaan, so he flees to Egypt. He's worried that Pharaoh is going to look at his wife, find her beautiful. He thought very highly of her. That's admirable. But then what he does instead, he says, no, 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 she's my sister, not my wife. Don't kill me in order to be able to marry her. Pharaoh ends up falling in love with his wife. Listen, the story, the story just gets worse from there. It's, it's leaning on our own understanding. It's messy business every time. The Bible is full of stories like that. I like the, the story of um, a ship captain and the two compasses that they used from a long time ago. As you back in the old days, when most travel was done uh, via waterways, uh, boats, uh, they used compass. The captain had a big compass to help him or her navigate. Well, when ships started becoming made less and less of wood and more and more of metal, they found that those compasses were a little sensitive to the magnetic field that the ship itself was making, and there was some, some error within that compass. And so they, they added a, another one. Uh, as far away from the ship as they possibly could. They, they put a compass, a second compass, on the top of the mast of the ship, as high up as they could, because the, the iron and the metal from the ship's hull was least likely to interfere with the directional of the compass. And so the, the, the ship captain could, could pilot this thing using his nearby compass, but when they needed an exact measure, they would use the compass, as they said, above the influence in order to get the exact direction they needed to go. I think about things in terms of leaning not on, the own, on our own understanding is using the compass that's above our influence, above the influence of, of the things that we just see around us. That you have a compass. You have the compass of God's word. You have the compass of God's spirit living inside of you above the influences of this culture to help you navigate. Three ingredients, trust, leaning not on our own understanding, and three, in all your ways, submit. Submit to him. I said earlier, Bible Gateway, 
uh, found that this is like in the top five most commonly known passages of the Bible. Some of you may have learned this passage another way. Um, maybe it wasn't uh, in all your ways, submit to him. Maybe you learned it like I did. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Um, acknowledge is far too light of a word. Acknowledge is like, okay, acknowledge, sound good, I heard you, I'm going to go ahead and do my own thing now. Submit is a better word. To focus, to be riveted, to be consumed by, to be captivated by. Submit implies action, which is the intent of the author here, to bring some action about it. I had a, um, uh, a counselor that I was talking to, a Christian counselor, and he said that, uh, he said that about 95% of the success that he sees comes down to behavior, not intellect. Like 5% of it is just knowing the right thing to do. 95% of it is actually doing the right thing. You want to heal a broken relationship. 5% is like knowing what to do. 95% is actually owning it and moving forward. Uh, financial success, personal finance is huge into this. 5% is just knowing the, how much is coming in and going out. 95% is sticking by it. 95% is behavioral. It implies action. That's the hard part, is the action. There's an old story of a pilot who was just starting off and uh, wasn't very good yet. And he takes off on the runway and he gets up in the air like he has a couple of times previous. And he, uh, he sees as a storm sets in. And there's lightning, there's hail, there's fog down below everywhere. There's no way that he can see anything. And he's not, he's not used to flying by just instrument use only. And so he's got no idea, like, which way is up, which way is down. He's, he's so confused, he's, he's disoriented. And ground control, the, the tower, he gets into contact with, and they're like, no, no, we, we know where you are. You don't know where you are. We can see you. We know where you are. We can help you land this plane. We can help you find home again. And he's, he's freaking out because he remembers he's in a city, and there's tall buildings, and there's mountains around. There's all kinds of obstacles. There's all kinds of things that he's going to fly this little plane into. And they're going, no, no. You just follow the instructions, and we'll take care of the obstructions. I think as it relates to this courageous step of faith, number one, we trust. Number two, we lean not on our own understanding. Three, listen, we just follow the instructions, and he will take care of the obstructions. Three ingredients. Trust. Lean not on ourselves. Behavioral submission to him. And one incredible result every single time. He will make your paths straight. You know, there's lots of ways to add years to your life. Courageously following Jesus, I believe, is the best way to add life to your years. I used to read a passage like this, and I used to think it was only about knowing the Lord's will for my life. You know, trust, lean not, submit. And he's going to show me beyond a shadow of a doubt what his will is for my life. I no longer think that. I no longer believe that if I trust, if I lean not, if I submit, I no longer think that God owes me what the next step of my life is going to be. I think that if I trust, if I lean on, if I submit to him, he might not show me the straight path, but he will make my path straight. There's this little 
book by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. A great title for a Christian book and devotional, Just Do Something. It's for people, it's for any one of us who want to know, God, what's your will behind the thing? What should I do about this situation? And the idea behind the book is simply, seek first the kingdom. And then don't worry about the rest. Even if you can't see the straight path that God has for you in front of you, listen, he's going to make the path straight. Seek first the kingdom and take that next courageous step. Take your next courageous step. Just do something. It might sound risky, but listen, you can act with some risk because you have a God who would never risk you. In his providence, in his sovereignty, he has got your life shored up. You can take a risk because he's never going to risk you. You can take that next courageous step of faith, even though you can't see the straight path, because he will make the path straight for you. We've been thinking about what your next courageous step of faith is. Whether that's, whether that's trust with the ingredient, whether that's leaning on our own understanding, and maybe finally, we write it down. Whatever that courageous step of faith might look like for you, take your next courageous step of faith. Listen, I know that there's fear. I know that there's uncertainty and there's doubt over doing that. And I am not so ignorant as to believe that those things are going to go away. But I do think that those things are going to be drowned out and minimized and overcome by someone who's going to become more present in your life as a result of taking this courageous next step of faith. Years ago, I heard this story about a gentleman who was diagnosed with uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And so it's a horrible disease whereby slowly but surely uh, one's nerve deteriorates and your brain loses control over the body. It's 100% fatal. There is no cure. There's just some treatments to help him get made a little more comfortable. As he was in the throes of losing control of his body and he knew what he was losing and he knew what this thing ends, he was asked about the why. How can you approach life with the confidence that you have? And he goes, I, I used to worry about uncertainty. I recognize now that really there is not so much uncertainty in life. We kind of know how it all ends. In addition to all of that, he goes, you know, I still have ALS. My brain is still losing control over my body, but even though fear of the thing is still there, I know the one. There is still something preventing me from taking that next step, but there's a someone who is so much bigger than that thing. That I guess looking at life through the lens and along the partnership of the someone in your life, I have Jesus in my life, and he has just become so incredibly big that the someone has completely drowned out the something. I pray that's the case for you. 
And whatever step of faith you have ahead of you this week, that you have a someone who is so infinitely greater than the something. So take that step. You may not be able to see the straight path, but listen, he will make your paths straight. We don't always talk about this passage in light of the New Testament, but starting off in Mark, which is a unique gospel, you know, it doesn't start off with the birth of Jesus. It starts off with the ministry of Jesus and the job of John the Baptist. Mark starts off with a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. The job of John, like the job of all of us, is simply that, to make a straight path to Jesus. When we take that courageous step, we make a clear line of sight to Jesus to fill in whatever valley, level whatever mountain, clear away the trees so that everybody can see Jesus clearly in our lives. Make a straight path to him, to the one And the fear, the doubt, the uncertainty might still be there, but they pale in comparison of the who that you do life with, Jesus himself. Church, I want to invite you to stand up where you are, and before we close our time together, before we head on into the weeks, you have a card, and I believe that the Holy Spirit has been nudging you in a particular direction to take that next courageous step of faith. Maybe it's one of those things that I mentioned. Maybe it's worship a little more regularly. Maybe you've gotten out of a rhythm throughout this season and kind of crawling out through the hole. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to take that step. I want to, I want to worship with God's people a little bit more often. Maybe it's joining a serving team. We say around here, like, you know, if, if, you've, if you've been worshiping with us for three times, awesome, you're in. Let's do this together. Let's partner together to bring people far from God to new life in Christ. Maybe it's to group intentionally with other Christians to do life together, joining a small group. Maybe it's a sacrificial gift. Maybe it's to start something. Maybe it's to stop something. Maybe it's to mend a broken relationship and take this courageous step of like trusting Jesus with owning your part of the fallout there. Maybe it's to begin a prayer, devotional life with your wife. Maybe it's to start a Bible reading plan to stop an addiction. I don't know what it is. You know, God's Spirit living in you knows what it is. Write it on the card. Bring it to the prayer wall during this last song. Let's take this step together. Jesus, you, you are the one who is so far bigger and has replaced the thing. Jesus, we pray that you give us this trust, that you give us this wisdom of leaning not on our own understanding, our limited perspective. God, that you not just tell us what it is, but you give us the courage to actually behaviorally follow through on it this week and submit to you. And God, as we take our courageous next step, just one in a thousand toward the new life. We pray that you will make our paths straight. You'll bring a clear line of sight to your glory, God. We don't want to be glory thieves. May all the praise, honor, and worship be yours and yours alone. Show us the way. Amen.
Hey, church. It's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience, join a small group or a serving team today. You can do all this at EncounterChurch.org.